listeners who have donated so generously during our most recent fund drive. You're the reason why we call this listener-funded radio, and we thank you for that. Now stay tuned for Radio Gag, Gays Against Guns. Stay tuned. Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good evening. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the national emergency of gun violence in America. I'm Josh Chaden. And I'm Mary Ellen Novak. Hi, Josh. Hi. <laughs> to start things off this week, Mary, and I, Mary Ellen and I would like to encourage our listeners to support this station in public radio by becoming a WBAI buddy. Hey, Josh, let me ask you, what's a WBAI buddy? Thanks for asking. A WBAI buddy is somebody who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by signing up to give a small donation each and every month. If everyone chips in just a small amount, it helps keep the lights on at WBAI and helps us and allows us to bring you this show each and every week. Just go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 and become a buddy in the name of Radio Gag. And as a special thank you from Gag, if you donate $50 or more, you'll receive an advanced copy of Grace Will Lead Us Home by Jennifer Barry Hawes. This book is about the Charleston Church Massacre and the hard, inspiring journey to forgiveness. I have to tell you, I've read this book, and it's truly engaging. A $25 donation will get you a set of fabulous gag pins. I wear mine all the time. I'm wearing it now, you see? Me too, of course. NRA, sashay away. (laughs) So once again, just go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 and become a buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Mary Ellen and I are thrilled to be hosting together again this week. I am. Yes. Uh, Rated G for Guns is our show's title this this week, and this evening's show will be the first of a two-part series where we'll discuss how guns and gun imagery are used in film and media. First, we'll take a look at how children are affected or not by the representation of guns through both academic studies and first-hand accounts. Then we'll continue our discussion with a look at the early years of guns in Hollywood. So we always start our meetings with an in-memoriam to remind us why we do this work. Tonight we honor an innocent fourth grader named Jaden Andre Dixon. It was Friday, November 22nd, 2013, 7.30 a.m., a week before Thanksgiving break. The car was warming up in the driveway to take the kids to school. My oldest, a high school senior, was lazy on the couch, not wanting to get ready. My middle son, a junior in high school, was brushing his teeth, and Jaden, my fourth grader, had just put his shoes on and was getting his coat when the doorbell rang. Jaden ran to the door to open it, anticipating it was the neighbors who may have needed a ride to school. Instead of the neighbor kids at the door, it was a loud pop. I heard the noise. And as I turned to see what the noise was, I saw Jaden's head snap to the side, then backward, and his body went completely limp to the ground. It was eerily silent at this point. The murderer ran to his car and began to drive away when before we could comprehend what had happened. I immediately threw myself on my son, cradling his head, I saw the hole in his temple and tried to cover it to stop the bleeding. I felt the bullet in the back of his skull. His mouth was bright red, gaped open, and he made gurgling sounds. His eyelids were closed. 
I held him to me screaming hysterically over and over again, my baby, my baby, my baby. My oldest son's father, my ex, shot my little boy at point blank range when he answered the door. My beautiful baby, born on June 10th, 2004, was declared brain dead on November 23rd, 2013. His life over at nine years old. I could have had a hundred guns in my house that day. None of them would have stopped my baby from being killed. My son was targeted, killed in order to satisfy a 49-year-old man's hatred of me. I miss my little boy. I miss his laugh, his crying, his anger, his everything. Jaden was so kind, compassionate, caring, and innocent. I was more worried about the dangers lurking online and never once thought it would show up at my doorstep. My son was an innocent fourth grader getting ready for school when his life ended due to revenge, hatred, and rage. And it happens every day. Wow. So that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Thanks, to, thanks so much to Sunny Moon for reading this week's In Memoriam. Now moving on to this week in the news, Josh, take it away. Sure thing. Legislation allowing adults to carry a concealed handgun without permission or training has been signed into law by Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin. State law lawmakers approved the bill earlier this month, and Bevin signed the bill into law on Monday. Under the legislation, Kentuckians aged 21 and up who are able to lawfully possess a firearm can conceal their weapons without a license. This law takes effect in late June. Previously, a mandated permit required gun safety training and a fee. Among other things, the bill's opponents had objected to dropping the training requiring the training requirement as a condition for conceal- concealing concealed weapons. Supporters said the measure makes no changes governing where and when people can possess concealed weapons. So big news last week, Josh. Oh, yeah. The Nation included an exclusive report about how resistance organizations located throughout New York City have been under surveillance by the Department of Homeland Security and ICE. And one of these organizations, with well as DHS refers to them, left-leaning anti-Trump protesters is yours truly, gag, (laughs) woo-woo. Uh, Apparently, these two groups have been keenly attuned to our protests, so big deal. Now, one of the gag actions that appeared in their list was a protest that occurred on August 4th, 2018. The protest was against the NRA, entitled March on the NRA NYC. The starting location was in Central Park, and it continued to the Consulate General of Russia. But here's an important reminder. One of GAG's objectives is to non-violently break the gun industry's chain of death. That's it. So carry on, DHS and ICE, or rather, sashay away. away. They can join the NRA in doing that. (laughs) Uh, Well, Mary Ellen, it appears that the NRA and its members are finally waking up to the fact that their streaming service, called NRA TV, is really just a dumpster fire filled with conspiracy theories and hate speech. It's fueled primarily, of course, by their controversial spokeswoman, Ms. Dana Loesch. Danny Hakim of the New York Times has reported that in recent weeks, two prominent board members expressed concerned about, concerns about NRA TV. Marion Hammer, an advisor uh. to the NRA's <laughs> chief executive, Wayne LaPierre, mm-hmm. said in a statement that, quote, since the founding of NRA TV, some, including myself and other board members, have questioned the value of it. She continued by saying, 
Wayne has told me and others that NRA TV is being constantly evaluated to make sure it works in the best interest of the organization and provides an appropriate return on investment. That's what it's all about at the end of the day, mm -hmm. right? Bucks, big yeah. bucks. What sparked this internal debate seems to be their notorious Thomas the Tank Engine video that provoked widespread outrage when Loesch mocked, et mocked ethnic diversity on the children's program by portraying the show's talking trains in, you know it, Ku Klux Klan hoods. No, for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, you heard that right. It's so dumb. Hakeem also notes that failing membership dues, falling membership dues rather, put the NRA under further strain, with board members expressing concern about the size of payments uh, made to the firms that produce NRA TV, Ackerman McQueen. The firm and its affiliates have pocketed $40 million from the NRA in 2017 alone. Mm. These payments have reportedly increased by nearly 50% since 2015. Uh, Will Lee, a board member who leads the NRA Outreach Committee, said in a statement that it's, un it's clear to me that the NRA TV is an experiment and Wayne is evaluating the future of the enterprise. After Thomas the Tank Engine, after the Thomas the Tank Engine video, he said, Mr. LaPierre appeared, quote, livid and embarrassed. He apologized to the entire committee and spent hours to our, spent hours listening to our concerns. Their hosts incendiary commentary on race, sexual orientation and gender identity, immigration issues, and the derision of the media and gun reform advocates, including March for Our Lives student advocates, has raised questions among some NRA members about NRA messaging itself. I think Jeff Knox, an NRA member who runs the small advocacy group known as Firearms Coalition, has said it best. Quote, the NRA shouldn't be putting this out. It's not gun rights. It's red meat for the hard right. Mm -hmm. End quote. Mm -hmm. I would just end. <laughs> end, yes. Uh, on Wednesday, March 6th, Arkansas Senator Jennifer Flowers fervently denounced a bill that would make it easier to use lethal force in the name of self-defense. The state's Judiciary Committee tried to limit the amount of debate time on this issue, but Senator Flowers was resolute as she explained how the stand-your-ground laws are dangerous, especially for people in communities of color. They tried. And it doesn't take much to look on the local news every night and see how many black kids, black boys, black men are being killed with these stand-your-ground defenses that these people raise. Then they get off. So I take issue with that. I'm the only person here of color, okay? I am a mother, too. And I have a son. And I care as much for my son as y'all care for y'alls. But my son doesn't walk the same path as yours does. So this debate deserves more time. But I can tell you that for a long time since I've been back here in Arkansas, I have feared for my son's life. Now he's 27, he's out of Arkansas. And I thank God he is when you're bringing up crap like this. Now for anyone who doesn't know, stand your ground laws allow people to respond to threats or force without fear of criminal prosecution. Most self-defense laws state that a person under threat or physical injury has a duty to retreat. But if the threat continues, even after retreating, the person may respond with force. So basically, the person has first the, the to retreat and then to shoot. But, but in the stand-your-ground states, there is no obligation to retreat 
Anyone facing an imminent threat, whatever that is, can use lethal force right away without first trying to escape. And come on, in most cases, we can safely presume which option people are going to select. Fortunately, the measure was narrowly defeated in a four to three vote with one Republican joining the opposing group. And can I just thank Senator Flowers, because even after one of the members of the grand old party, also known as the GOP, told her, quote, you need to up, you need to be upset somewhere else, unquote. She said no and persisted. Thank you, Senator Flowers. Yes, thank you. And yet, Mary Ellen? She persisted. Okay, so next up is this week's first special report about the connection between children and guns in the media. Our fellow gagger and filmmaker Ty Sersley dug into this subject matter with children in one of his classes where he led them in creating an anti-gun violence PSA. Let's listen in. Uh, When we're talking about movies, uh, whether you're talking about TV or film, uh, something everyone should realize is that the medium actually manipulates the human mind because it's all happening real time. Our minds don't have time to process and we don't really remember we're just sitting in an audience. Uh, For example, anytime a man is either hit or punched in the nuts, uh, a man watching will jump. So even though we're fully aware we're safe from any violence, our body still reacts. Uh, Once the mind catches up, we can dismiss it as not real. Uh, The other thing to know is that film creates permanent memories. So this is important, uh, especially when we start talking about gun violence in film. I made a documentary with nine children uh, a year and a half ago. They were ages from 9 to 13, and we talked about gun violence in America. I was there to teach them basic filmmaking skills. Then I helped them make their own film about uh, children lost to gun violence. Uh, This ended up being posted online as a PSA called Potential. Here's a clip of a few of the kids reacting to a PSA we saw about gun violence. When I was watching it, I seriously thought when the kid took the gun into the school, I thought he was going to do something in the classroom. (laughs) I agree with you, Abby, but another thing that I was very scared of is how the kid could just take the gun out of the drawer. There wasn't a key, it was just sitting there. When they met, and then like the guy in the background had the gun, like I got scared, like I was like, oh. Like I wasn't expecting that. As you can see, all of them thought that the PSAs were effective. Uh, Some were already expecting to see someone get shot once a gun was introduced. Uh, And these were just public service announcements. So you heard some of them say they were scared when they saw the gun or when a kid found the gun. Uh, And this wasn't even something violent, but they were in that moment. Okay, so now listen to what some of the kids had to say when I asked them about guns and film uh, versus what they may see on the news. In the movies, like, you know, like, you know it's not going to happen. It's like, well, like, oh, it's in the movie. It's not touching me. I'm not getting hurt. But when they're in the movie, I'm like, all right, who cares? (laughs) But say, like, if I see it on the news, I'll get, like, let's see, like, my heart will be, like, I'll be sad. But then I'll know that it can happen to me anytime. But I won't really be scared unless somebody has a gun in my head. Yeah, because if it's in a movie, it's not... It's, the gun isn't being aimed at you. You aren't where they are. You're, you're in a completely different reality. 
so you're watching it at your home. You're watching so you it. think you're safe because like all the doors are locked and you think, oh, that can't happen to me because I'm like, exactly. I'm safe and I'm in my own home. But really, it can happen anywhere. Exactly. Plus, it's fake. Well, yeah. Okay, but how many of you raised your hand saying that the other PSA was effective when you showed up with the gun? I did. I thought it was, yeah. So what I was teaching them is how they could remember being scared or feeling tense when they thought someone's life was in danger. And they were just watching a one-minute story on a screen. But our culture has subscribed to this theory that since it's fake, it doesn't matter. Uh, but like I said before, our minds and bodies are reacting as if it's real. Uh, which is, of course, why people see action movies, to get excited and scared without any consequences. A bad guy with a gun is stopped by a good guy with a gun, and we have a catharsis, and all the tension is released. However, over time, we, we require more to get excited, and in my opinion, and many others believe this has desensitized several generations uh, to gun violence. So this current generation is growing up where whatever they want to say can be filmed and seen all over the world. So I wanted to empower them, uh, make them filmmakers, uh, which they created a PSA, where all of them showed off their talents. Uh, dancing, some were painting, they had sports. Uh, then you hear a gunshot and one of the kids is missing. Uh, and then they had this message at the end of it. Seven kids die every day from gun violence in America. Why don't you do something about it? Maybe we should stop arguing and figure out the solution. Parents need to talk to their kids about guns and gun violence. Every child has potential. Give us a chance. Wow, thanks so much, Ty. That was really amazing work. It was. It think? was fantastic. So cool. Uh, one comment in Ty's recording was about desensitization, and this is something that fascinates me, especially around gun culture. So I did some research and found a scholarly article entitled Parental Desensitization to Gun Violence in PG-13 Movies, and it's by Dr. Daniel Romer and Dr. Daniel and Dr. Patrick Jameson. And what they did was interview 610 parents with at least one child between the ages of 16 and 17 located throughout the U.S., they assess the effects of screen violence on the parents' willingness to allow children to view films that contain extensive gun violence. And the conclusion was that the parents did not become emotionally desensitized to uh, gun violence in the movies, but they are more willing to allow their children to watch gun violence in PG-13 movies. Mm. But get this. Only when it features characters whose weapons are seen as justified. So by justified, they mean gun violence to defeat, to defeat enemies mm -hmm. or for the purposes of self-defense. Whereas random gun violence or violence without socially beneficial motives is unjustified. So as if that isn't harmful enough, it's important to realize that children's repeated exposure to the, quote, justified gun violence in films could lead to a form of normative desensitization and even emotional desensitization and a greater acceptance of watching these violent movies. I highly recommend people check out that research. Yeah, that's some really, really great research. Mm -hmm. Want a flat case? Okay. I'll play with you. Come on. Okay. You wanna play rough? Okay. Uno. Say hello to my little friend! 
Well, pretty much everybody out there probably knows what that clip is mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Tony Montana from Scarface. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Hollywood and how its love affair with guns began. Uh, the earliest film featuring a gun um, on IMDb is listed on IMDb is actually Annie Oakley, a documentary about um, the famous member of Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. Uh, in it, Oakley performed tricks, uh, basically trick shots using her own rifle in the film. Uh, fast forward a couple of decades with the controversial <laughs> Birth of a Nation film from 1915, which included scenes of KKK members riding through town brandishing and shooting their guns. Now, this went from sort of trick guns as uh, novelty to actual um, acts of violence using guns. Uh, a man in the film in the viewing actually took out his personal handgun and began shooting at the screen. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, um, it was because he was trying to help a white woman Aww. being saved uh, from being raped by a black man. So, oh my God, imagine. Um, I mean, Marianne, looking back over a century later, later, this act is sort of an ominous foreboding of the Aurora mm -hmm. mass shooting in 2012 in Colorado in the movie theater. Yeah, exactly. So, fast forward a few years more to the pre-code. Hollywood era, which is between 1929 and the enforcement of the Hayes Code censorship guidelines in 1934. These regula regulations refer to William Hayes, who was enlisted to help Hollywood rehabilitate its own image. Now, the Hayes office never officially recommended banding, banning violence in film in the 1920s, but had previously been successful in advocating for and removing some gun violence from certain films. In the 1930s, several real-life criminals became celebrities in their own right, including, of course, the notorial, notorious Al Capone and John Dillinger. Hence, a new genre of film and its protagonists were born, introducing the Hollywood gangster of gangster films. 1932's own Scarface has been noticed, noted as perhaps the most incendiary of these films, which is partially based on the life and autobiography of Al Capone. The film provoked outrage due, mainly due to its unprecedented violence, as well for its shifts of tone from serious subject matter to comedic elements. What I find most remarkable, Mary Ellen, about this, this era in... Um, in film is that real life murders were tied into actual film promotion. Theaters would display Tommy guns and other firearms in their lobbies. Um, eventually though, studios pressured movie exhibitors uh, to tamp down on those gimmicks. I think, you know, going from Scarface in 1932 to the Scarface in 1983, you see sort of a national progression and evolution, but also you see a lot of corollaries. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I remember watching uh, Scarface years and years ago in 19, the 1983 version mm -hmm. uh, and was just appalled um, even as a kid watching that. So I also uh, was thinking about other movies with guns in them and Star Wars, the cantina yeah, exactly, scene. exactly right. And uh, also then thinking about Harrison Ford character in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that one famous scene where he just pulls out his gun and he shoots the uh, other guy that yeah. was kind of threatening at him. And one of the one of the narratives or one mm -hmm. of the things that underlies or threads all of this together yeah. is the humor. So even for kids cartoons. Sure, yeah. Elmer Fudd, you know, the shootings and everything. So it's almost mm -hmm. as though their desensitization is starting with 
young kids and cartoons. Yeah, cartoons. Then that leads up to as an adult. So parents are watching these movies Mm -hmm. like Star Wars and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and all these other ones. Exactly right. I remember the movie Clue. I've probably seen it two or three hundred times in my life. (laughs) Um, One of the famous laugh lines almost in that that film is when the singing telegram girl gets shot at point blank range when Mm -hmm. they open the front door. So just another idea of going from serious subject matter to comedy. Um, I think we're getting close to the end of the show. We're getting close. Oh, my gosh. How did that happen? Uh, So if you're in New York, we meet every other Thursday at 7 p.m. in Manhattan at the LGBT Center on 13th Street. Our next meeting is this Thursday, March 14th, where we will be planning great actions and protests. So everybody is welcome, and we look forward to meeting you. I promise I'll save you a seat. You had better. You can also (laughs) get involved by following us on social media. On Twitter, we're GagNoGuns. On Insta and Facebook, we're Gays Against Guns NY. Like, share watch retweet repost help us get the word out y'all to find out more about having a fabulous time with us please go to gazeagainstguns.net you can also learn more about gag chapters located nationwide in various cities and also how to found your own chapter Excellent. And a reminder, another great way to get involved is by becoming a WBAI buddy. Visit WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602. Help. Please, Radio Gag, support the great work of this station. And now for our weekly Hell Yeah. Special thanks to fellow gaggers Sonny and Ty for their contributions this week. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah! Hell yeah to Gagger Donna Aceto, for who will be one of the recipients of this year's Gays City News Impact Awards on March 29th. We're so proud of you, Donna. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah! Hell yeah to Gagger a- Anderson Vieira, who organized Friday's silent protest at the Fifth Avenue Library in honor of International Women's Day. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah! So thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week, Tuesday, March 19th at 6.30. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we'll tell you something. We got you on the run If you are an abuser We want to take your gun We want to take your gun We want to take your gun Oh please, say to me You had your background check Cause when WBAI's Environmental Show Ecologic is on every other Tuesday evening. 
listen to scientists, activists, authors, and other experts discuss public policy and give you information on topics such as climate change, air, water, environmental justice, energy, both poisonous and renewable, healthy food, wildlife, transportation, green buildings, and of course, connections with other issues. You'll always find out what you can do to make the environment better, and every show starts with news and announcements on environmental actions. With your host, Ken Gale, every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Hello, WBAI listeners. This is Caridad de la Luz, La Bruja, artist, poet, powerhouse, inviting you to join us on March 15th at SOBs to celebrate Latina artists for Women's History Month. With performances by comedian Sarah Contreras, vocalist Calmencita Sings, master pianist Amy Quint Millán, Williamsburg Salsa Orchestra, and myself. Doors open at 5 p.m., showtime is at 6 p.m., and party all night long. For tickets, go to WBAI.org, SOBs.com, or TicketWeb.com, and support the station that creates elevation. On the next Max and Murphy Show, are the flush times over for New York? We'll talk to State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli about the economy, our budget, and your taxes. And Albany faces a long to-do list on criminal justice reform. A top advocate will update us on where it stands. That's Max and Murphy, Wednesdays at 5, right here on WBAI 99.5 FM. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. The previous program was Radio <laughs> radio Gag, Gays Against Guns, which is heard right after the WBAI evening news on Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Stay tuned for First Voices Radio with Teokas and Ghost Horse coming up at the 7 p.m. hour, followed by Ecologic with Ken Gale at 8 p.m. 9 p.m. is... Uh, 9 p.m. is Out FM. That's right. Out FM at 